Hey, welcome to Texas! He's a 10. I choose this family. Hey guys, and welcome to episode 67 of 911 Lone Star Roundup. I'm one of your hosts, EJ, and with me today are my lovely co-hosts and friends, Katie. Hey guys. And Grace. Hi everyone. Today we'll be talking about 911 OG season 5, episodes 13, 14, and 15, titled Fear of Phobia, Dumb Luck, and FOMO, or Fear of Missing Out. We are going to talk more so about the characters and not so much about the emergencies. We probably won't mention many of them, so we uh, just warning you ahead of time that we're not going to be focusing on that. Yeah, we um, can always talk about those at a later date. Yeah. So an episode, yeah. we did discuss episode uh, 12 in a previous podcast episode and which is when maddie and shim we decided to go back to la from boston and so this is the picking up from there and maddie we get a little montage at the beginning of the episode of maddie reuniting with buck as hen is reuniting with chim and buck's all excited to see his sister which i was happy to see because we were waiting for the, the reunion and then hen and shim returning or reuniting was really cute and they're like besties are back together (laughs) and like like we just okay so at the end of 12 we kind of all assumed that chim and maddie would get back together but chim quickly explains to him that him and maddie broke up they said they was about like what halfway back from boston driving and they decided that they were gonna break up because they'd kind of grown apart the in the time they'd been apart yeah that's like understandable i know a lot of people were kind of bummed at that i mean and i was too just because i liked them together but i think both of them went through some a pretty big ordeal that they couldn't just get past and sometimes you have to take some time for yourself yeah i guess the only reason why i wasn't more bummed is because like i don't think it'll last forever right it's you could tell and especially in the future episodes too you can really tell there's something still there and obviously like i would say they're like one of their top tier ships and stuff so i feel like they won't keep them apart forever yeah like um we we all know that i'm like i I like i like the ship but like i'm not crazy on the pairing i like them when they're on screen that's about it it's kind of the same here i miss them when they're on screen and obviously are broken up but other than that i don't care um not because i didn't like it just because otherwise i'm pretty occupied by anything else happening in the show so i often don't think there's no mad me i'm upset no i just forget they aren't together until they're showing them being broken up i'm like okay that's weird get them back together Mm -hmm. (laughs) if not for them for the kids that's a whole oh well there's no no nothing ever comes out being together for a kid that is true that is true yeah definitely i know there's there in this like same kind of montage there's a mention that chim had apologized profusely to buck for punching him which you know that was an interesting thing he did Um, i kind of had forgotten forgotten about it because it seemed like so many seasons ago like it didn't seem like it had just happened i'm like oh wow that did just happen (laughs) well this season has been like an interesting one it like you kind of forgot like a lot of things happen this season was weird like just it definitely you could tell that something was off like it it's it was very clear so like the fact that mm-hmm. that like i knew like that was something i like yeah that did happen but like i it was whatever like yeah but it was it was good to see them back and starting to kind of get together and i i think hen explains or hen and chim find out that eddie quit and bobby had replaced chim and so Jim's like was kind of a little bummed to hear that, and they I think he heard that Buck asked Taylor to move in with him, and oh, and then Buck made out with the new firefighter. <laughs> oh. 
it's like yeah finding out all the drama like Kim and maddie just finding out separately at the same time yeah and stuff and being like what this happened this happened this happened and i loved Kim's comment about you guys fell apart without me yeah that was so funny like i love that yeah that was just like the show being like yeah we know the first half of the season was so weird um we're sorry uh yeah well and it seemed like the season seemed like really long between 5a and 5b because we had the first half of lone star in between so i think that's for me why i'm thinking it happened so long ago because we had a half a season lone star and a half a season of 911 before we got to these episodes right and like that would have happened either way whether if lone star was in that or not like they've always taken like a really long break after christmas but it's just like so weird like yeah like it does feel like forever but like i don't know like the break didn't really bother me that much oh yeah Yeah. no, no, the break didn't bother me i don't mind the break it was just it seemed like i don't know i think just the feeling i got like because sometimes you watch a show and it's like you you know everything that it was happened like last episode even if it's six months prior this time it was it would had i had to remember a lot of things like oh yeah that did happen last last part of the season yeah um so after we get chim and buck and hen and maddie we get eddie in therapy which we totally love and have been dying for for months and seasons and he's with frank and frank is asking him what he's afraid of and eddie's typical response of you know that's an open-ended question and i don't know i you could tell he didn't really want to be there yeah, and like Eddie's like, well, I guess I don't really love going to the dentist. <laughs> and I'm like, that is such an Eddie response because like, I don't know, like it's like, I don't know. I don't know if I have fears. So I guess I'll just say this. Right. It's kind of the feeling like that gave me. And then, you know, yeah. Frank brings up the blow up between, you know, that Eddie had with Bobby and he's like you probably didn't blow out blow up at Bobby over a cavity being filled (laughs) Um, and Eddie's like I've apologized for that and now I know I shouldn't have said that so sometime off screen Eddie has apologized to Bobby for the blow up at the house I'm kind of glad it was off screen though we kind of get back to it being resolved yeah Mm -hmm. i'm glad both both of those like because those are very similar situations if you think about it and like I'm glad I could have done the same chimney grub grovel a little bit but like it's fine it was I'm just still so sour. long ago that would have, it would have honestly been stupid if they had shown us that yeah. it would have been more on point if it happened sooner Which, but like i'm okay with both yeah like i like that they were they didn't really show it just we didn't really mm-hmm. need to see that mm-hmm. so frank asks a little bit about chris and how he's doing and eddie admits that you know it was rough over the holidays but he's you know chris is doing better now and frank makes a point of <clears throat> how he knows how much um chris and eddie he worries about chris and eddie is like you know is that a bad thing and frank says um something about he he wonders if he worries about his own well-being the same as much as he you know worries about chris which parents are gonna do that they're gonna worry about their kids sometimes thinking about their kids ahead of themselves but i think we've seen all along that eddie tends to try to be a fixer for everybody so often eddie forgets about his own pain and kind of blocks it out which i think is what's led us to where we're at now yeah and i know i have a friend her son's in the marine corps and one of their common sayings is uh pain is weakness leaving the body i think i said that right yeah i've heard that before so so the military mindset is definitely um pain is weakness 
um, oftentimes. So I can understand why Eddie has that kind of feeling. Um, yeah. And he probably was raised that way, especially yeah. as we learn, as we learn more about his dad in later episodes. Yeah. I was just about to be like, yeah, I think Eddie mostly gets that from his dad. Cause I think that's clearly just how he was raised mm-hmm. um, and stuff like, yeah. Well, and you know, Latino families are very passionate. So it's sometimes it's, you don't want to say things because you're afraid of the reaction. Yeah. You know, and, and, and Frank kind of tells Eddie, you know, we all kind of know, you know, you can't just put your feelings in a box, close up the box, lock it, and then never go back to it. Cause eventually those feelings are going to blow up, you know, and that's kind of where Eddie's at right now. Right. And the whole, like, you know, like Eddie puts Chris before himself, like, obviously you're going to put your kids before yourself, but the whole point is, is that sometimes you have to take care of yourself before you can take care of anybody else. Yeah. Like you're not going to be any good for your kid if you just like, like, and Eddie's terrible at taking care of himself. (laughs) Yeah. Eddie's terrible at taking care of himself. Yeah. Eddie would be the one to forget to put the oxygen mask on and put everybody else's oxygen mask on first and then like pass out from the lack of oxygen. Yeah. <laughs> like that would no. be Eddie. He would do that on purpose, though. Totally. Yeah, probably. He'd be like, no, you take it. So at the end of kind of this scene, Frank offers Eddie a suggestion that he should talk about his pain because he can tell that Eddie's not opening up to him. How and why he doesn't necessarily know right now, but he suggests that he should share his pain with somebody that knows what it's like. And yeah. that kind of hints at maybe Eddie should reach out to some of his army buddies and see, you know, talk yeah. with them. Well, it was opened up that like Eddie's like, what do you want me to tell you about it? It could take us forever. And right. he's like, well, here's a solution. Why do you like tell people that have gone through what you have? And that's kind of where we leave it for this part of the episode. We'll come back to it later. Um, so our next scene, I'm not going to talk about it, but there's a scene of Taylor moving into Buck's apartment. And that's that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> you can leave now is what I want to say. That works. Yep. Like just turn around and have right back out that door. Yeah. All like, those boxes uh, you packed, they're easy to move. Just take them, take I, them and go. Just, no, no, no. All uh, you have to do is just pop them over the balcony. Oh, that was fragile. Uh, oh, well. Oops. <laughs> oops. Air, <laughs> air not anymore. <laughs> we can get new stuff. So our next scene is Chim stopping by uh, the 118 to see what Cap's cooking. Um, I know we're not talking about the scenes, but in one of the previous scenes, they had to um, use a freezer at a seafood warehouse or a seafood plant. So they had to take all the food out. So then I think Bobby had to buy all of it. So now he's got like, they probably just gave it to him. Are, like loaded with seafood. So they were having sushi <laughs> and Shin was looking forward to like a home cooked meal from Bobby. <laughs> he's like, but there's sushi. <laughs> and he's like, but it's not cooked. And Bobby's like, uh, you want me to warm it up in the microwave? for <laughs> uh yeah no I I thought that was a cute little scene um and also we get kind of the next I think it was it Maddie comes over or has G with her and she's at Buck's and so we get like Uncle Buck well yeah she kind of like interrupted kind of when Taylor was moving in so like Mm. I think Maddie like thought you know like she could stay with him for a while because her and Shem both like blew through their savings being way and all yeah. And she wasn't working right now. Right. Yeah, neither of them were. So, like, yeah, that's 
that's tough and like oh boy <laughs> just so seen i think she questions on like why taylor's moving in at some point when taylor's not in the room and he says and then he's like that was one of two dumb things i did or something like that and she goes okay so if that's the first dumb thing like what's the second <laughs> and that's what she well, finds out yeah. about kissing uh, lucy. yeah kissing lucy was like the first dumb thing mm. and then like Taylor moving in a second dumb thing. Honestly, I don't know if I'd agree with the order. I mean, it can go hand in hand, but I'm also like, hmm. Asking Taylor to move in is pretty damn stupid. It was something he did to avoid having to face up to his own mistakes. He still wound up having to face his own mistakes, and then he got stuck with a living girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, and like, it's just the way that, like, what was the first thing pans to, like, Lucy, and it's like, well, duh. And then, like, oh, just, this is, this is, like, the start of, like, when Jonah's still, like, at the 118, this is the start of when I start having weird thoughts about just this whole situation, like, every time they start talking. <laughs> Mm-hmm. um isn't this like, where there's like standing off to the side kind of like they're like, like yeah like they're like staring at them and they're like they're just like talking or whatever and like they're looking at him and like they're just like uh like i don't know like i think they say something like i think lucy says something like oh i thought he'd be taller or something so I guess, like, he's not what they expected, yeah. I mean. Well, I mean, if you've been hearing about, like, how you're only filling in for someone for a while. Yeah. And Han had said how he's like better. Yeah, Han had yeah. praised Chimney, which, rightfully so, but, yeah. yeah and I'm just like, when, that, when, like, they're still here, I'm like, uh, you can go now. Like, why are you still here? It's yeah. kind of my thing, like shoo shoo, like, off you go. Chim's back, Chim's back. We don't need one of you. Both y'all. Can- At this point, I was like, Lucy, you can jump off and like go, Jenna, get the hell out of here. Mm-hmm. All right, Taylor, I was going out myself. You're mm-hmm. next too. <laughs> yeah, and uh, then we see like Chim keeps checking his down the stairs. <laughs> we we see that uh, Chim is checking his phone a lot, and he's freaking out because this is the first time Maddie's been alone with g since they got back and he was a little nervous which you know i can understand because chim spent a lot of time with the baby with g since they left la so it would be weird to be giving up but it's like maddie's the mom so you got to give her a little bit of like trust yeah i understand it though he's being protective Mm -hmm. and it's not like he thinks anything's gonna happen but also he he to this point, he raised G all by himself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a hard place to be because, like, obviously he trusts her and he knows that, like, she wouldn't, like, intentionally harm her or nothing really would happen. But, like, he did raise her to this point. So it's, it's hard. So when Chim gets back to the apartment, when Maddie's leaving, he asks her if he's get, she gave G a bath. And Maddie kind of is like, oh, no, she didn't get dirty today. Yeah. So you could obviously tell she was trying to avoid that topic. But rightfully so, she had a scare the last time she tried giving her a bath. So I can understand why she was nervous. I just, when I saw that, I was like, okay, how long, how are we going to like, how are they going to work on this one? Like, what are they going to do? Like, are they going to make this like a thing with her? Or is it like she had the moment and then is she going to work on it? Right. Because you can't just avoid that forever. Like, that would be like really bad neglect. 
not great. So yeah, it's definitely interesting mm-hmm. to see like, oh, what's going to happen? Like, how are we going to work on this? Mm-hmm. And then we have a scene with um, Albert and Maddie are talking, I guess Albert's been staying at Chim's place. Um, and he's been talking about struggling with the job. He's a probationary firefighter still. So, it, you know, we know what probies are treated like <laughs> sometimes. Um, he feels like he's living, you know, people's nightmares, which leads Maddie to kind of have a flashback of the bath with G. Um, but then we see Maddie kind of resolving herself to have a bath with G and I don't know, I wouldn't say resolving, but she was definitely making steps for towards like helping G in the bathtub. Um, and Chim finds them playing kind of like on the bathroom floor, like right by the tub, which is like a good way to like get your toes wet, I guess you could say. <laughs> then we come to like the last little bit of the episode and Eddie is struggling. Mm-hmm. That's one word for it. Yeah. So He's having some flashbacks to time in the military and he calls Anita Mills, which is one of the people that came or survived the plane crash or the, the helicopter crash that we learned about in 315 Eddie, Eddie's uh, Eddie begins episode. If you need a reminder on who she is, she's the one who said just before they shot down, you know, it's so pretty from up here. You can almost forget that it's called, called the Valley of Death. That's right. That's where I was yeah. like, really, Mills? Yeah. Okay. That's her. Yeah. Right. I liked so, her. I liked her. Oh, yeah. She, yeah. Yeah. I liked her. So she was one of the few that survived. And so he calls her. We see Chris. He's in his room playing video games. And then Chris, all of a sudden, hears Eddie yelling. There's some glass breaking and some yelling. And rightfully, that freaks Chris out. So... What's he do? Calls Buck. Uh, I, love I love it. And I just want to say, like, the writers want to say that, like, Buddy isn't a thing. How many people do you think call their friend? You know, their kid calls the friend. Like, right. Yeah. And I, I, I know, like, Chris, I think, because he had his headphones on, so he didn't initially hear Eddie. And then all of a sudden, like, he takes his headphones off because he heard it. And then, like, so he goes and, like, tries to knock on the door, but it's locked. And then he calls Buck and you can hear him like yelling, you know, Chris is yelling like, dad, dad. And he's like, then Chris is like, you know, Buck, something's wrong with dad. Yeah, and then like, so just calm down. I'll be there, in a, you know, as soon as possible. And so like Buck takes, like comes to the rescue, really, which I loved. Just saying. Oh, yes. Um, when he and Buck gets there, he like kind of gets Chris to like move away from the door and he like breaks the door down and finds Eddie. And well, he finds the room in a mess at first. Then he walks in a little further and finds Eddie in like a ball on the floor, sobbing his eyes out, which was very hard to see, but not surprising. He's not, he's not prone to bursts of emotions like this. Even like crying over Shannon or something else. It was slightly more controlled. And even then that was kind of like losing it, so to speak, because he's always in control. So like just seeing him broken like this is like, baby, are you okay? You're obviously not okay, but like, what do you need? And he'd literally taken a baseball bat to like his walls that were holes. I just don't know who has a random baseball bat sitting around their room that they have within easy enough reach to just start smashing things. Uh, Like, does he play baseball with Chris or some shit? Like, I don't I I mean it makes more sense than the other things that could have been in there. True. Yeah, I mean, like, like golf, golf handy, but 
Well, that's yeah, that is random. But I mean, like, there's other objects you could have in there. And I'm like, where the heck did that come from? Like, okay. Mm-hmm. So Buck is like trying to process, and so he kind of like asks Eddie, like, what's wrong or what what's going on? And Eddie's like, they're all dead. And he's like, everybody he saved is dead. And then we get kind of like a break in the scenes, and Buck's tucking Chris in and gets him, you know, settled down in bed. So I'm like, Buck is definitely a dad into to chris i am saying it the writers don't want to admit it (laughs) yeah that article they released a couple months ago bullshit you just don't want to you just don't want to acknowledge you don't want to commit you don't want to commit to the fact that buddy is a real thing um you want to give us half-ass ships i'm just being real honest here because yeah literally Mm. nothing they're giving us tops this it's like get over yourself yes please so this is um and there's like you can tell there's a gap of time because eddie is now in the dining room kind of waiting on buck and when buck comes back they sit down at the table and eddie's asking like how chris is and chris is like well he's scared out of his mind but you know and buck admits he is too i would be if i came across my friend looking like that in a disaster of a room yeah i would freak out oh yes and you know Eddie apologizes about, you know, he didn't mean to scare him or, you know, or Chris, that he just kind of lost it. Like, Eddie, you're allowed to have feelings. Yeah, just maybe don't hurt yourself while expressing them. Right. Because, like, the way, obviously, we don't quite see how it goes, but I can picture him, like, punching the wall or something first. Because um, I think he had, like, bloody knuckles and stuff like that. Like punching the wall first, maybe smashing a couple of things by hand, but like kind of coming across the because the first thing you do when you're having something like this, you don't look for something first to do this, right. you stumble across it, yeah. right? Yeah, reach for the closest thing. Well, picture him being that being the closest thing, so like he just kind of stumbled upon that in his destruction, mm-hmm. is what I'm thinking of. But he definitely mm-hmm. did some stuff before he reached the bat. Oh, I agree uh, completely. Because again, yeah. the first thing you reach, you don't just reach for something first, you're not that level headed. If he was level headed enough to reach for something with like full intent, not stumble across it, he was level headed enough to stop himself. Yeah, yeah especially True. since like he probably started spiraling with all this like rage and stuff. Yeah. And uh, so Buck asks him what happened, like, why did he do all this? And Eddie explains that, you know, he was supposed to reach out to people that he had served with. And Buck's like, oh, I didn't know you kept in touch with them. And Eddie's like, he didn't. He hasn't talked to them since he moved to L.A. And Eddie explains that he pulled four people out of the chopper alive. Um, Then he goes on to explain that the chief died in country a couple of years later. And the rest of them made it home safe. But one of the guys died in a car crash. Another guy OD'd and Mills shot herself last August. So he had probably called Mills and probably got husband maybe or a friend or family member that had her number still. And yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say because like if she died in August, why would you let her phone lapse that long? Yeah. Like I get people do yeah. stuff like that, but like sometimes they do it like in case they're still trying to reach people or something but it's a lot of money yeah true it's a lot of money and see i would understand if it's only a few months from that point yeah by this point i would guess it's been at least six months to a year like i'm not sure exactly timeline so it's a little fuzzy on how he learned it one of my more plausible guesses maybe is that he 
couldn't reach Mills or heard that the number was disconnected or something, maybe try reaching out to someone else, not someone he directly served with, but someone he was connected to and heard via that. Right. Yeah. That is possible, but I have no idea. Yeah. And they don't tell us, like, and we're not going to know. If we were going to know, we would have learned that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then Eddie's talking about how, you know, he he pulled them out to safety but he didn't really save them and buck's like so that's why you took a baseball bat to everything you own and eddie's afraid that he'll never feel normal again yeah i'm so happy he's opening up to buck i feel like there's a lot in eddie's past that he's never talked about i mean even when chris and carla brought the silver star in 315 to the station even eddie like choked up and didn't want to talk about it yeah so for him to open up now to Buck is a big step. So you can- and really, we don't know what Buck knows. Right. We know what we know because we got flashbacks on 315. Yeah. Still one of my top episodes. But, yeah. um, but Eddie begins. I almost said Buddy begins and I wish, but like that <laughs> I wish. With, with faith. But no. That's the dream. Eddie, that's the dream. <laughs> no, but Eddie begins. But really? don't know what buck knows he might yeah. not have fully ever explained anything other than there was a helicopter crash and he saved people yeah he might not no. have explained everything because that's hard to explain yeah exactly like knowing eddie i would ex- i would just assume knowing him that he probably told buck as little as possible just because i don't if he's not going to open just, up to, like, anybody else, like, yes, he would open up to Buck. I'm not saying he wouldn't, but, like, mm-hmm. Eddie, I have a feeling Eddie just kept this locked away, and he kind of just gave the most basic details. And oh, yeah, I mean, you come be back. Surprising. You come back, and no one knows what you've been through. Right. Exactly. And you come back to, and we see this then, him being a hero, and he doesn't feel like a hero. Yeah. Right, Yeah. And, you know, even though he did save those people, um, he doesn't feel like a hero. He doesn't, I don't think he really feels like he deserves his medal. And so it, it's like, ugh, I could write an entire little book on Eddie's psychology, I think. Um, but <laughs> I give it the buck. Uh, no, but um, <laughs> so really, he wouldn't say something like this, yeah. not unless buck cornered him into it i feel like after this buck cornered him more into explaining this situation but again we don't know what buck knows if he knows anything right he might just know the virgin that christopher and his class got yeah honestly yeah probably i feel like that's most likely yeah i don't know Uh, yeah it's possible and i think you know we this is with what Buck witnessed, there was no way Eddie could not say something to him. So this was, that was why I think a lot too, is that Eddie was realizing. Plus I figure Eddie's probably dealing with some survivor's guilt because it sounds like of him, like he's the only one that really like got his life back on track after getting out of the military. And I've heard that a lot, unfortunately, with people who come back over here, they can't settle into civilian life and it's really hard. And we unfortunately lose a lot of military service people because they can't transition or they struggle and they just can't let go of some things in their past from the military and suicide kills more veterans than war itself. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so this, this is, is real. Kind of, yeah, it is. And so this kind of ends episode 13 and we move into 14 and the first scene we think is really cute. It's, Eddie and Chris having breakfast. And then uh, all of a sudden, Eddie starts 
well, there's some banter between Chris and Eddie that I, I would, I kind of start as like, what's going on here? And then Eddie starts randomly bleeding out of his like, that's what me in. And then I'm, was okay. Good. Yeah. 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 And that's, then it's like, okay, yeah. this is a dream. And then he has a flashback of getting shot and then in the water and like from in the, the well from 315. And he, thinks he's dying and Chris is like casually like you're always dying which yeah if you didn't realize well this was definitely a dream or a nightmare more like a nightmare yeah very much a nightmare but like if you weren't clued in by that that part like Chris's commentary was definitely it see like there were yeah there were definitely various things like I think I'd already heard that there was like a dream sequence or something before I watched this so I was already a little clued in and like I'm a little sad that like the cute stuff that we got before this was a dream because I want to see this like in not dream format but like there was the bleeding which if it didn't look like a bullet hole then you could have thought oh maybe something happened it was Chris's non-reaction though Mm-hmm. that really was like okay this definitely is the dream right because real life chris would have been freaking out that his dad was hurt right um he's just casually eating dinner not even looking at eddie that's not realistic so right so eddie kind of wakes up and bobby's sitting on the I think he's on the, the coffee table or something facing Eddie and which was good to see because the last interaction we had directly with Bobby was when Eddie and him had it out and Eddie said some things he shouldn't have said. So I have this feeling like this is like the next morning or a couple of days later when Ed, like Buck sent out the 911 text to the group text or something like Eddie needs our help. It's kind of how I, I yeah, feel like, like I got that vibe. Uh, <laughs> it definitely rallied. I feel like he probably just told Bobby not that he I wouldn't so. tell anybody but this that's just because that's kind of like Eddie's business and like sending it yeah. out to everyone kind of wouldn't be great. Right. And I feel like Bobby's the only one that gets it and Buck knows that. Yeah. Bobby's, well, Bobby's the only one in a need to know situation. Yeah. Not to exactly. say that the rest couldn't have helped, but it also wasn't Buck's to tell. That's what I, exactly. That's true. It wasn't his story. So, you know, it would have been great to have seen like the rest of the, 118 rallying around him or something like that but bobby particularly was needed in this situation yeah Yeah, especially yeah like he knows how it is and like they've been through like sort of like similar things yeah a lot of survivor's guilt Mm -hmm. and i i love i think i don't know if he asked where chris was or about chris and Bucks or uh Bobby was like, you know, Buck took him to school. And I'm like, Buck took Chris to school. <laughs> okay. Another note that he is his <laughs> bonus dad. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, Bobby shares, he's like, I'm sorry to hear about your friends, or I'm sorry about your friends. And you know, I I have heard that when you start dealing with one trauma, it starts to open up like pandora's box with the other traumas so i feel like that was also part of what was happening with eddie is that he was trying to scratch the surface and by scratching the surface it just let everything out well see even if he had gotten through to mills and had talked to her or something like that that would have dug up a lot but then he had to deal with well for one thing he couldn't get resolution through that like that was slammed literally in his face right. um that he couldn't and gave him a whole heap of new trauma 
Um, and that start that kind of pushed him over the edge in a way, like kind of just getting a lot of it all just started piling on him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and like Eddie makes the comment of like, um, he can't believe they're gone, but he's still here and he doesn't understand why. And Bobby says, like, that's a question like you'll never be able to answer. Right. Yeah. So true. I mean, that and that's definitely where he's at. And you know, I yeah. Uh, I was just happy to see Eddie was like, he's not technically a part of the 118 anymore, but he's still part of their family, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. So at this moment, he's not part of the 118. I mean, I don't want people coming out and be like, yes, he is. Okay. Yes. Well, yeah. We know. And I think we know. <laughs> we know. Yes. Obviously. Yeah, like, eventually like- he will be back, but... Well, not even that. Like, even if Eddie never went back to the 118 again, you know, Bobby would still be looking out for him. Right. And oh, stuff yeah. like, you know, once the 118, oh, is it the 118? Unless you should be banished from the 118, then you should be banished. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but for the Sorry, most I have part. A, I have a tickle of my throat there. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which, speaking of, uh, we find out that Bobby has, a uh, Chim is back at the 118. And Bobby has, uh, they find out that, you know, found a, Bobby found a spot for Jonah at another house since Chim is back. And so there's a scene of Hen and Jonah saying goodbye. And I'm just like, Not bye, sure. please. Like, See ya, wouldn't want to be ya. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, I, that just he, showed my age. <laughs> Sorry. That's, yeah. No. Um, I, yeah, that was definitely, definitely said that growing up. So you're good. <laughs> <laughs> like okay grace is like i don't know what y'all's talking about nope i'm just i'm just chilling here don't know a damn thing we're good (laughs) we're on the same page though so there you go (laughs) i'll have to tell you about that later grace (laughs) i mean i've heard the term before but like okay it was very common in the like late 90s early 2000s and yeah it's been kind of not something said recently so I'm like oh god anyways um <laughs> a little later in the episode we have this very odd and weird and unnecessary scene with jonah and lucy meeting that up for like weird i meeting feel up like- for drinks and it was like what the frick i okay i get they might have become friends and that kind of stuff and they were kind of the outsiders so maybe that's the outsiders yeah so maybe that's why this but i feel like the scene the only reason why they put this in there was to give us make us feel weird for so oh, i did that um my whole thought with this scene is like why are they still here and the point that they were introduced was kind of confusing because it was just like we know Tim and Maddie are coming up real soon so like why are we introducing these two new characters for literally just a couple episodes yeah like they were really were only really serving a purpose for maybe like three episodes ish yeah them having a scene alone just didn't make sense and there was a brief moment where I was like I had this in, I was envisioning like, is this what it's going to be like in a few years or a few seasons when a couple of the other characters leave and this is there, there, you know, like, you know how you have these shows where like they're long running series. And then all of a sudden, like 10 seasons down, you've got a whole new cast of characters basically that have come and gone over the years. It's amazing that we're still on our main path. Yeah, I know. With only a few minor changes. Yeah. Which I'm grateful for. Because I, oh, I love please. consistency. I love the unification of that. So um, 
but yeah, so that's kind of was like, oh, maybe that's what they're alluding to is, you know, like down the line, like that's definitely not what they were alluding to as we will learn in later episodes, but still was unnecessary as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it, definitely. Yeah. And um, Jonah makes this weird comment like, oh, how's Hen? Does she miss me? And Lucy says she still calls you Monday. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's our Hen. Yeah. We love you, Hen. Dependable. Yeah. So kind of we have our next like scene is chris and eddie chris is asking eddie if he's okay i think he had just gotten back from a counseling appointment or something like Uh, that yeah honestly who knows but he was like making dinner and chris is like asking i'm like are you okay oh eddie's like yeah he's just a little tired tonight (sighs) so eddie kind of sits down with chris and you know explains how you know he's talking to frank um which is the therapist kind of the way same way that chris talks to dr lim which is his counselor and chris chris she's like i thought you're supposed to feel better after talking to him and he's like yeah sometimes it's hard because he asks a lot of questions and he's like you know it's hard talking about uh things that are scary or sad and that can be exhausting and chris is like i guess and he says but it's still a good thing to do and that he's gonna keep doing it which is good to hear because i think um it's always the fear is like how long are you gonna do it like are you gonna just stick with it and like continue to get the help or are you gonna just like do it a little bit to pacify somebody and then stop so it's good to hear that eddie's like willing to like actually stick with it right yeah and like eddie like says how like you know eventually like i'll feel better and that kind of stuff and it's like chris is asking like eddie if he's like one of the things that makes him sad and eddie says never oh that might be like like never like never never but like i can understand that for being honest to some of eddie's dark times chris might be the only reason he's still here Oh, yeah, I, agree. I agree. I think if Eddie didn't have Chris, he would have felt like so lost. He wouldn't have yeah. a purpose. Like in Eddie's yeah. eyes, like obviously he does have a purpose, but like in Eddie's eyes, he would feel like he doesn't. Right. Chris gave him the will to keep fighting. I feel exactly. like he could have ended up with um like some of the others. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't have been one of the survivors at that point. And it's a sad thought, but it's what a lot of veterans go through. Right. Not just veterans, but like you know in this case we're talking about veterans <laughs> so right yeah yeah and i really like what i like about like these scenes is like eddie is like having an honest like open like age-appropriate conversation with christopher about like mental health which i think is what right. parents should be doing oh definitely like, and stuff and not a lot of people do and i just this is so important because like we know that like this is never something that eddie would have experienced growing up so the fact that like this is we're getting this is like everything yeah so in one of the other scenes we have maddie is with g and she's noticing that she's not feeling well i think she seemed feverish and there were some things wrong and she was throwing up or i can't remember all the exact details but she wasn't getting food down and no i don't i don't even think it was that i think she just had like a fever and like she just seemed like she was like crying a lot and she just seemed like off yeah. So, yeah so i think maddie called the doctor and the doctor said they should take her to the er so she took her to the er yeah. and well she took her she- well she actually like maddie actually like took g to the doctor and oh, then okay. like she, she had thought like the doctor had figured out that like she might have like a blocked intestine so the doctor mm-hmm. told her to bring her to the er 
So she does. And Shem shows up there. And, like, they're trying to think of, like, what it could be and stuff. And, like, what worst, the worst possible diagnosis. The- yeah. Well, what the root of like why this is happening and Maddie's like, well, it could be a tumor. Like it's a possibility. And, like yeah. leukemia is in my family history. So like that. Yeah. So that like, I mean, it's fair. Like that is a possibility. Yeah. I like how like later we get um, we get like Chimney and Maddie um, and like he's telling her like what happened like isn't her isn't like her fault and like mm-hmm. even if it is this like rare form of leukemia like that her brother had like and like Maddie just doesn't want to be the reason that she's in danger and like Chim just assures her over and over that like she's not and it's like it was an accident like just like this is an accident Chim says like how like one night like he accidentally slammed a car door on her hand when they were traveling and like accidents happen like yeah freak things happen like definitely and it's just important for that like because back when maddie was feeling down and going through all her stuff she you know something major happened that caused g to go to the hospital and get checked out so i I can't you know maddie's probably got all those emotions and freaking out like oh my god I, i can't be around my child i break her basically and that's not the case there's definitely some worry there right but yeah, i'm glad exactly. i'm glad that chim shared what he did with her about you know like accidents happen and this happened with her and but she's okay like she came through it and so we get another scene with eddie at therapy with frank and they're talking about um eddie's kind of in the helicopter and the guy that he was treating greg's um he had he's the one that had the three daughters and there was some t- now I'm remembering, I think there was some teasing about like him. He had a tattoo of three girls names or something on his arm. And Eddie yes. was kind of teasing him about like, oh, you've got three daughters. I'm sorry. Kind of thing, you know, just joking about, you know, how, how a soldier has three kids. And unfortunately, I think he it was like, while you've been busy. Him. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and Eddie says, kind of admits he feels bad that he wasn't able to save the guy. And, you know, the plane ended up crashing and, you know, he could barely get him and the other people out. Like, and this guy was already injured. Um, so he right. feels bad and kind of blamed probably himself. was dead on impact. The yeah, impact was injuries. He had fallen out dead. And like obviously Eddie, but blames himself. Like mm-hmm. yeah, he does. Oh, exactly. Like poor Eddie. Can someone yeah. give him a great big hug, Buck? <laughs> speaking of speaking of <laughs> <laughs> we do see Eddie go home and who's there? I feel like Buck is like the living uh I don't even know what you call him at this point. Well, I mean he he should better to be at their place than at, at home with what's her face living with him. Sorry. She does not have a name anymore. Anyway, <laughs> no. Okay, and I'm just gonna clarify this has nothing to do with the actress that plays her. Right. So Buck is asking Eddie, he's like, so how'd it go? And Eddie's like, yeah, the usual crack myself open for 50 minutes, only to leave feeling like I was hit by a bus. I'm thinking, at least he didn't say fire truck. <laughs> Sorry. Wouldn't make wow. any sense, but yes. No. <laughs> or having a fire truck land on him. Never mind. And Buck's like, yeah, so that must mean it's working. And Eddie's like, I'm supposed to feel better at some point, right? And then he asks where Chris is, and Buck's like, oh, he's in his room finishing up his homework. <laughs> he's so being a second dad to him here and then um eddie picks up some drawings on the table and he's like did chris draw these and buck's like no that one's mine i misunderstood the assignment typical Typical. it was a pretty damn good drawing yeah Yeah. (laughs) i was like like, 
Yeah, like the one that's like the artsy one, you know, with Weebox, and the other one that's Christopher's, you know, with, yeah. yeah. Like, um, totally. And then Eddie, you know, kind of asked Buck, he's like, do you ever feel like what they do for a living isn't worth it because it makes them need therapy? Um, what he puts himself through and, you know, what he puts Chris through, you know, and you know, the greater good and all. Um, maybe that's not a thing. I don't know. I I can kind of see where Eddie's going with that just because it is hard, but it's, it is worth it because you're helping people because out of the one that you lose, you save 10 more maybe. Um, right. Which we kind of see like Albert going through the same thing with him because he mm-hmm. had said like, you know, it feels like you're seeing people on their like worst day. Yeah, I get it. It's like hard, especially like just how you have to like somehow some people choose to like having to put it away and stuff yeah. and like it's hard and i yeah i get it i'll have to send you guys the video there's this video um called the difference between men and women's brains and it's they're talking about how like men have these very neat organized boxes stacked in a certain spot when they go they want to deal with what's in the box they go get the box they take it out of the box they open it they deal with it and then they put the box back right where it went and they never touches anything <laughs> women's boxes are all jumbled up in in different spots and they one thing touches another and then that causes something else so it's like talking about how different like men and women process stuff and I'm like sometimes I see like watch these shows and I was like okay that's Eddie putting you know like his boxes in needs order you know <laughs> and then when he's like processing processing his trauma and getting upset like okay now his boxes are starting to touch but it, it's healthy too because then you start having less boxes to deal with so kind of in the end, towards the end of the episode, we do find out that G is okay. Uh, she doesn't have leukemia, no tumors or anything like that. They thought they might have to do a procedure on her. Um, it seemed like they had a blockage, but um, thankfully she was able to pass the blockage. Um, it was just some indigestion and she was given a clean bill of health. So that was good. Um, and then during the episode, Buck had um, learned some things from Eddie and in the previous scene with him, it was kind of hinting that, you know, Eddie's like, this is what we do really worth, you know, all this trauma and stuff that we have to deal with afterwards. So through Buck's research, quote unquote research, Eddie and Buck take Chris to this barn farm ranch that does equine therapy. And I was like, okay, where are they going with this? Because this is cool because animal therapy is like amazing. And, you know, Eddie had mentioned the previous day and Buck's like, well, the other day when you brought up things about things being random and there's, you know, a point, what's the point? And Buck tells Eddie that, you know, before he joined the 118, that before Eddie joined the 118, there was a rule that they don't go past the glass doors, which is the doors to the ER. And kind (laughs) of, I think Buck said something along the lines of, I'm not really sure who did it first, but it was probably me or something. (laughs) Buck's probably right. And he talks about how they're not supposed to know the outcome of anything because sometimes knowing the outcome makes it worse. Like your feelings worse. And Buck got to thinking about the day that Eddie was shot, which I don't want to think about that day. That was a bad day. (laughs) But It's just the fact that that happened like basically a year ago, like recently. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. It It feels so much longer, you know, like, I don't know, it just does. And Buck comments, he's like, the day that Eddie got shot, they weren't 
on a call. Eddie had gotten friend, become friends with that kid, Charlie, and they were there to help Charlie. And right, because Charlie called him. Mm-hmm. And it made Buck wonder if he, if he said, I wondered if you ever wished we hadn't saved Charlie. And Eddie's like, oh, come on, Buck. And Buck's like, you know, the kid had been being poisoned by his mom. He's probably going to be messed up for his life. He almost died. And he's like, you don't regret going there? And he's like, no. And Buck's like, but if it's random, and Eddie's like, it was the right thing to do, you know, being there, helping the kid, because Eddie kind of put the pieces together that the mom was poisoning the kid so she could get all these benefits and whatever. And Buck's like, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. And he points out to the horses and there's a kid on the one of the horses with one of the trainers and it's Charlie and Buck had been doing some research and him and well, technically him and that lady that he's currently living with. Um, That's still so wrong. <laughs> makes him sound like he's dating like a six-year-old woman. <laughs> Just saying. Um, roommate. There you go. His, his female roommate. <laughs> um, he says that, you know, Buck that you know, Buck told him that, you know, Charlie now lives with his aunt and uncle and he seems to be good. And they've been bringing him to this equine therapy place for the past few months. And Eddie's like, he looks so happy. And Buck says, because he got the help he needed and it started with Eddie. So Eddie gave him a second chance. So maybe that's the point that, and Eddie acknowledges that maybe it is that, you know, they can make saves and they can make a difference. I'm like, I love this scene for so many reasons when we were going through it i was like okay yeah so eddie's been bringing up a lot about his army days but we haven't really seen him talk much about him getting shot mm-hmm. so this was a good way to kind of pull that all together and make him look at like more current events and not just things in his past right yeah i don't know what i loved about the scene because i'm booking and they were standing there their hands were basically touching it was like why so just hold hands at that point yep like i'm just saying like i mean you might as well might as well they're like this close like literally an inch away and i'm like can you i would you know it would have been even nice for them like eddie to hug book we could just say they're holding hands then they're like hugging yeah i mean a handhold would have been more casual for the scene and i i would have loved that or chris comes out and goes like hey dad and then both eddie and buck respond (laughs) sorry (laughs) straight out of a pit (laughs) i mean Uh, yes Grace, do you know much about the equine therapy? I know you've, you've been around horses before. Yeah, not really. Um, I wish I did, but we it wasn't like we did that particularly. And I do know horses are really good for that, though, just speaking on knowing about horses, because horses are super in tune to your mood. If you're nervous, right. they're going to get nervous. If you're upset, right. they know it. So it's it's a really good therapy option because they're so in tune with you that they're going to they're going to match what you are, which can sometimes be a little bad. Like if you're nervous, then the horse is nervous, but they'll be on your pace. Um, like so, just when you're dealing with struggling kids and stuff like that, horses are just really good for that. They're very, they're obviously there always are differences, but really they're level-headed, very gentle animals, even for giant ones. I don't know it's. My sister has a horse that eats like cracked peppermints and because peppermints are basically cracked for horses. 
and uh, dances to Sugarland. Horses are just chill. So yeah, I don't know much about therapy itself, but I do know something about horses, and you might have to deal with them nibbling on everything to get their like near their mouths, but they're sweethearts. So that scene was the end of episode fourteen, and we move into fifteen, um, and it starts with. So Maddie and Chim are like, Chim has the baby box out that Maddie's parents had given her because he wanted to put some of G's Boston pictures into it. And Maddie was definitely kind of upset about this. Well, yeah, yeah, because like she, he had so much and she missed all this and she's now realizing like how many milestones she's missed and like just how much stuff she's missed. And she still feels guilty, even though she left for good reasons. If if there was a good reason for a parent to leave the picture, she had it. Right. Yeah. And like that leads perfectly into like her going to talk to Buck because she says like it was sweet how he had like all those pictures, but it made her realize like how much she missed and like she should have been there. And she thinks that like she's a bad mom, but Buck's like, no, you're not. And she like tries to make comparisons between Buck, like knowing something was always wrong with their family and like G living her first first few months without mad ants like those aren't any what similar situations like i yeah no and like buck says like he makes a good point that their parents never dealt with their feelings and that's what affected them but maddie was like getting the help and like trying to better herself for G, which is very important. And yeah. that's how things should be. And I think of all of this, this is probably, yes, there are a ton of milestones kids have in the first like year of life, but nine chance, like 99% of the chance G is never going to remember anything before her first fourth birthday so this is probably the best time for maddie to take some time for herself um yes she missed some milestones but chim seemed to do pretty well with like like taking pictures and videos to show her so she has that time now to make like spend time with her daughter when she's mentally healthy right and make new memories like you can always do that exactly exactly now what i was saying is that like really she won't she might have odd feelings about she might have odd feelings about something was missing like during one point in her life but she's not gonna know until they tell her right and like honestly she wouldn't even grasp that until she's a lot older and she says like she sees pictures and been like where was my mom and that kind of stuff like she wouldn't honestly get that on her own yeah so then we get a scene with the feet and athena and may i i love the relationship it's weird because like now that she's an adult i think may is a little more easier to handle when she was a teenager she was like sometimes some episodes i'm like she just did what what did she just say and now i can at least tolerate her you know like i don't know i love kareen like kareen Masai who plays may but like there were some questionable times with teenage may oh yeah like i don't really to be honest, like I didn't really start like really liking May until she became like a dispatcher. Not because of that fact, but just when she started growing up more is when I started mm-hmm. liking her more. And the first few seasons, it was I never not liked her, but I was just like I don't really care about that storyline that much. To be mm-hmm. honest, May's never really been my favorite. <laughs> um, yeah. Not because I disliked her or something. She's just never been my favorite. And so, like, I only started liking her during dispatching time. And even that took 
a little bit of getting used to. So yeah, um, but now, you know, she's grown up and I've got to like her more because she's grown up. Yeah. Right. Right. So May is asking Athena if um, she regrets um, not going through with law school and becoming a cop instead. And Athena's mm-hmm. kind of like, no. Um, but that was, you know, Athena's decision in May. Says how she heard from USC, which is the school she'd gotten accepted to, that um, her refer- deferral or her deferment is over and she can't put it off any longer. She has to make a decision whether she's going to accept and go to school at USC or she's going to let it go and lose her spot. And um, Athena tells her to be brave and do the thing that she wants to do, which is great advice. Um, You know, you got to take a chance. Um, And so like, yeah, so May had been accepted. Then the pandemic happened after she graduated or while she graduated or kind of how that happened. And then, so she deferred it for like probably a year or two. And then you kind of, at some point you can't defer it any longer. Like that spot's being held by, for somebody that may never come. So yeah. So she's kind of struggling with like, what does she do? Cause she likes what she's doing, (laughs) but she's like, does, should think she should go to school and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, this is the FOMO episode fear of missing out. So it's all going to kind of be themed around like feeling of feelings of like literally that missing out on experiences and different things. Right. Yeah. And like, I like how she's asking like, Athena, like, you know, like, do you ever regret like, you know, like not going through your original plan? And like, she's asking her, like, do you ever regret not being like Athena Carter Esquire, like Emmett's wife? Do you ever regret that or whatever? Mm -hmm. And it's just like, it's interesting to see this like all be brought up because this does like cross Athena's mind at some point too. Mm. of course there comes a point where you just think about your life choices and wonder would i change it exactly it's so natural like i i could say like maybe 10 years ago i would have saw my life turning out differently you know mm-hmm. but here we are <laughs> like it's so natural like it's it's like it's weird it's weird to even think about <laughs> yeah yeah so we kind of move on to so another couple or um at least somebody who's struggling with the fear of missing out is Hen and Karen, um, which is nice to finally have them in a, like an actual scene together and not just like a quick like back and forth scene. They're added at an ice bar, up, I guess a pop-up ice bar that Karen had been recommended to by her co-workers. Yeah, they're like much younger apparently than her. So they like go to all like the cool spots and she's just like, she took this Yeah, it was literally cool, all right. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah i don't i would never do that um i didn't even know that was like an actual like okay that is why that makes me want to be like yeah that's gotta be an la thing because nobody that lives in a cold climate would do that if you want to be outside you eat your food outside in the 20 degree right. weather nobody willingly just mm-hmm. and so um they decide to leave early and I think Karen decides they're going to order Chinese to have it delivered to their house. And uh, Hen thinks she's talking to her coworkers. Um, and Hen's like, just tell them we're not taking any suggestions from them anymore. It's <laughs> like, yeah, it's a little bit of an awkward thing. Um, but when they get to the car, they realize that the car had been broken into and Karen's other purse had been uh, stolen, which had all her credit cards and stuff because she had carried a smaller purse into the restaurant with her. Whoops. I was like she's like this is my cute purse that's like the bigger one and i'm like 
girl. <laughs> what? What? I don't even carry a purse. I don't it, most of the time. I'm like, if it doesn't fit in my phone, cell phone, or my cell phone, keys, or wallet, uh, it doesn't need to get carried. Yeah. I do. Um, but my bag as a tote canvas tote bag that says emotional baggage, JK, like it could fit in here. <laughs> it's not an actual bag. Right. Still, or not that actual piece of bag. Yeah, no, definitely I like to be practical, not like cute. Mm-hmm. Cute. Yeah. You know, like who am I trying to impress? Right. Pretty mm-hmm. much. So they end up heading home and Karen. It's talking when they get back about how all her coworkers are like a decade younger than her and she feels old. So Hen is talking about it the next day in the truck as they're going to a call. And, you know, a lot of them are like, yeah, I wouldn't go back to my 20s. I get why Buck wouldn't go back to his 20s. He like experienced everything in his 20s. Yeah, because I, yeah, he wouldn't want to repeat that. Yeah, Buck, Buck already kind of explored all his options. I feel like right. he wants go back to your 20s you wanted to explore more options or see what's out there for you when you know there's not and and you know bobby mentioned something um interesting you know we don't know a lot of bobby's past and he said um that in his family there was only one career option for his you know family was firefighter well for males yes for the males was firefighter um and they're like we didn't know that you came from a line of like a long line of firefighters and he goes yeah fourth generation that was very interesting to find out because yeah. we didn't know that like yeah no we idea. didn't know that and the way they're like they're like talking about this so like we didn't know you were all legacy right yeah <laughs> i was like that's cool so now like now really i want to cool. know more about bobby's past like yeah so can we like dive into that <laughs> yeah that would be awesome um you know and hen, hen is worried because she doesn't know how to fix things with karen and karen's upset and tim's like you can't um you can't fix anything there's nothing uh, you can't make up for lost time you know because as we've you know talked earlier about with maddie she's struggling because she did miss all that time with g um and so we get this next scene with may and eddie which I think this is the first scene they've had together in the entire series. That was like one-on-one, if I remember correctly. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, like we've gotten scenes in the past with this part of the season in passing, but it was never something like this where they had like a full on like longer scene. And so she, um, she's talking with Eddie and she said she came to work at the um, dispatch center just after um, Athena almost died. And she did it to protect her, um, to make sure that somebody was looking out for her mom. And, you know, probably Bobby, too, because he's out there. And Eddie's like, there's nothing wrong with trying to protect your family. But May says she thinks she's losing that person, that part of her. Um, and Eddie says that, you know, trauma often causes us to turn inward. And May kind of looks at him like, you know, like, how do you know this? And Eddie's like, when did you become the expert? Somehow, you know, therapy's rubbing off on him. <laughs> <laughs> as it should. But yeah, as is, it should, Eddie. Yeah. And, um, you yeah, know, I like I the scene, you know, because she's struggling with her own, like, you know, figuring out, like, what she wants to do, what she doesn't want to miss out on. I, I look at her like right now, she's, you know, they say the world is your oyster, you know, cause pearls come out of oysters. And so like, she's got her whole life ahead of her, like dispatchers not have to be like her career for the rest of her life. She could go right. to school and she can always come back to it at a later date if she wants to. Right. Exactly. Like, I mean, it is an opportunity. Like it is hard because like she's found that she's good at this, but I also feel like partially she might be too comfortable and you don't want to be too comfortable because then you're never going to leave. And if like school is 
something she actually wants to do not like she feels feels like she has to do which i feel like even two years ago like i feel like she was mostly going to college because she felt like she had to which is mm-hmm. kind of why i mean this obviously came up for multiple different reasons but like now she's doing it she's doing it for her which is what i really yeah. like about that You know, and I know we've talked in the past about doing things for yourself versus doing things for other people. And she was doing it out of wanting to protect Athena because of what happened to Athena. But she has no control over what happens to, you know, any police officer, firefighter, first responder out there. She just makes the calls. So now she has to make the decision as to if this is really what she's passionate about or if there's something else out there for her. I mean, and heck, they found a job for Eddie that was, you know, in the same building. She could maybe find something else in that building that she could do. I mean, now that it's kind of burned down, you know, that problem, but that's for next episode. (laughs) Um, So we go back to Hen and Karen. Again, Karen's like tired. She's like, she's trying to embrace being old. I feel you on that one. I do. Um, but then I think Hen gets a call about somebody trying to use her card because Karen oh. had one of her cards in her bag, I guess. Well, she gets like a fraud alert. I'm assuming mm. it's like on whatever her credit card is, app yeah. or an email or something. I don't know. It wasn't actually an actual call. And she's just like, oh, there's a fraud alert. Like, I'll just, uh, I'll just like, you know, not let it go through or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, and Karen's like, oh no, let's go catch this person. And I'm like, oh, her ween. I love her. And Hen's like, where are you going? She's like, to catch a thief. <laughs> I love like, oh, her. She's such a move. Oh, yes. Absolutely love her. And so they go to the club to catch this thief. Mm-hmm. And I love how the second they get there, they try to close out the tab. And the bartender's like, you're not Henry Hen- Hen- Wilson. And Karen says, no, but neither is the girl in this picture. And she takes the ID and starts looking for this girl. Mm-hmm. It's so funny. Yeah. yeah. Like, yes. We well, I it. think at some point they peel off. She's put like, she stuck her picture on there as like a sticker. <laughs> I think she stuck like something over it so they didn't see like what the name was on it. Yeah. Which what kind of bar doesn't like realize that and peel it off? Because like what that that seems wrong. And so and also now nowadays with all the fraud issues with just people stealing your identity with driver's licenses, I cannot believe they would just let the bar put like your because I know they used to do that. You'd like put your license in a cup and they put that up on the shelf and then anybody that like wanted to start a tab, then you'd obviously not leave without your driver's license. So you're not leaving yeah, without paying your tab. That's definitely I I mean I can't say for everywhere, but I know in my experience you've never put your license in a cup. Mm-hmm. Usually yeah, exactly. you show your ID at the door and then you don't have yeah. to worry about it after that. Right, exactly. <clears throat> so, yeah. yeah, that was, I was just like, why is her, that chick's license in a cup? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It but, was kind of weird. Yeah, back, well, back before they had all the enhanced driver's licenses and all those, the ones with the chips and everything, I can understand it. But nowadays, like they told me when I got my new license to keep it in that little foil pouch and don't let anybody have it and only take it out when you have to use it just because of all the security features in it now. So I would never give my bar, give a, my you know license to a bar to just randomly sit up on some shelf. Yeah, that doesn't, that seems iffy, but okay. So Karen's going around this place looking <laughs> like for with this the ID. girl so with looking at these people's faces and the people are like, what the heck is wrong with this lady probably? Mm-hmm. 
and then like um they do eventually find her and stuff and like they catch her and then like i don't know hen goes up and like says how they're calling the cops and karen is like on me or the girl in the picture and hen's like that's unclear right this scene reminded me so much of last season when Bobby and Athena were like playing detective at the um, <laughs> oh, yeah. casino. At the casino, that's mm-hmm. right. This is what this reminds me of, and this I absolutely love this. Like, yes, give us all the hand care. Right. Hand. Oh yeah, and that was awesome. How like when they did find her, and like they kind of called her out on it. Uh, they're like, yeah, we could leave and close out the tab, or we could stay and have a little fun. <laughs> Oh yeah, because because the tab was actually still bent. Oh yes, we love it. Um, yeah, I mean, enjoy yourselves. Yeah, honestly, why not? You're there. So then we end on Maddie and Chim, and like she's being fussy with food, and Maddie goes to uh, get something different. Um, or whatever and then like she grabs the spoon and starts like sort of like feeding herself, and I'm like. Oh, so that was adorable. It was so adorable, mm-hmm. and like it's sweet. And Maddie like caught a, the first. Yeah, yeah, it's a new milestone. Yeah, and she is like she's seeing this for the first time. It's like great. Oh, we love it. Love to see it. And actually, never mind. There's another <laughs> scene. So we get Athena and Bobby, and Athena like is she has like a picture of like her and her two best friends who we saw on Athena begin. Mm-hmm. and she's like reminiscing of like you know like she doesn't have any gr- regrets her like turned out like different but she doesn't like have any regrets about it and like yep relatable mm-hmm. that should have should have could have would have faced yeah these are some good episodes yeah oh yeah i liked them like especially mm-hmm. the eddie stuff like obviously yeah. literally the, the eddie stuff made it yeah, yeah. uh-huh and i'm really yeah. glad we got to see a lot of him in therapy because that was really needed like just for right. him as a mental health standpoint but also just as fans like we needed to see like him actually getting help right yeah and i liked like the emotional stuff because obviously we haven't seen him really break down like that like that got real raw and i'm like mm-hmm. mm, yes i'm I love here it. for it here to see it so that's what i really liked and yeah this is like i feel like this is the turning point of the season honestly because you know it's a rough 5a 5b like slowly started getting better once 5a started it did get better but like this was really the turning point of the season i would say yeah no 5a was shaky i think they really let themselves down on that 5b it was getting better though they i think they had time over the break to get their shit together yeah. and they got their shit i think they had to do it because they knew it was failing and by that i don't mean oh my god they were going to get canceled i just mean they know their fans weren't happy and right. If you're making content for people to be happy with, you need mm. to, yeah. So uh, they definitely they stepped up the game. Literally, my favorite part of all of this was just Eddie and and when Buck was around and Buck and Chris, Always. our little family. Yes. We love it. Give yeah, us the rest of it, it was cool. But like that was the important stuff. Y'all know how much I love Eddie. We all do, honestly. Definitely. We all pretty much feel very parallel about that. Like, the Eddie stuff did make it. 
Well, thank you guys so much for joining and listening to us. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Anchor. We're also on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, YouTube, and everywhere else you can get podcasts. On iTunes and Spotify, please rate us and leave us a review. It would mean a lot to us. You, can, you guys can follow the podcast on our socials at 911LS Roundup on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also join our Discord server. The link is in the description of this podcast and also in our Instagram bio. You guys can follow me, Katie, at Full of Tarlos on Instagram at for love Tellus on twitter you guys can follow me grace at ronan rafa 911 on instagram and at shipgirl31 on twitter you can follow me ej at ej8302 on instagram and twitter bye, bye.